1: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today.
3: Lewis, and this is the NFL Inside Report podcast. We are going in on kickoff 2021. Thanks for being with us here on this debut episode of the NFL Inside Report podcast. We've got you covered for kickoff 2021. The reporters that are covering each team, the Bucks and the Cowboys, every day this week leading up to kickoff are with us. Sarah Walsh, who was with the Bucks every step of the way on their Super Bowl run, stops by ahead of stop number one on Tampa's title defense. Or rather, their quest to go win it again. An important distinction that Sarah picked up talking to Tom Brady this week. And for a team that is so similar to the one that hoisted the Lombardi last year, why what's different about this year's team will make them even better. That's coming up. Jane Slater expertly covering the Cowboys for us all offseason, all preseason and now every hour leading up to kickoff for a game that will include quarterback Dak Prescott that after a shoulder injury in camp left some doubt as to his availability for week one we'll go inside the recovery that Dallas hopes will help lead the Cowboys to an offensive rebirth against Tampa and COVID is still here obvious major impacts throughout the country and the world. And while the NFL was able to play every single game last season without the vaccine, Tom Brady has said he expects the virus and pandemic to be an even bigger challenge this year. Tom Pelissero has been at the forefront of our reporting on this subject. He knows the protocols. He knows the guidelines, and he's telling us how the league is positioning itself for contingencies And what about another emergency quarterback situation? Could what happened to the Denver Broncos last year, starting a wide receiver at quarterback, happen again this year? That's all ahead. But first, let's kick this thing off from Tampa with Sarah Walsh. So, Sarah, I feel like the biggest headline surrounding the Bucs for the last, I don't know, four or five months since they won Super Bowl 55 was that they brought everybody back right? All 22 starters, even the core participation group outside of those starters is back. The whole coaching staff is back. But I was having this chat with Scott Pioli, uh, our resident GM. It's like the, the same production is not going to cut it for the Bucs if they want to win again. So what's really different about this team?
4: Uh, a couple things are different. One, the amount of time they've played together, right? That changes. Uh, I, you know, I said it A million times it felt like last year when people would say, like, what's wrong with them? Why can't this offense get going? And it wasn't just a new quarterback. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, early on in the year, they would play on Sunday, but they didn't practice during the week. They were really banged up. And I think that that was sort of underrated in these storylines because you'd see them on Sunday – and, and it took them a while to get on the same page. And look, when Tom didn't have a preseason last year, he wasn't in a preseason with those receivers. And then he wasn't with them during the week. So that's where I think you. when they started to get healthier, that's when you saw them click. So now they've had this entire time. They've had a preseason like they didn't have. So that's different. This is a healthier team. And, and that sounds insane in the sense that <laughs> this was a relatively healthy team last year. Not a lot of injuries. Obviously, Vita Vea... Alice Kappa and then OJ Howard, which was kind of the forgotten guy in some sense because yeah. you brought in Gronk, right? Like, OJ is a is a first rounder. OJ can potentially be huge for them, but there was so much else going on. You know, they had Gronk. They signed Antonio Brown. And so you sort of forgot that this guy, who can be potentially a huge impact player, was not on there. So this is a team that stayed pretty healthy but has gotten healthier. And even in the guys yeah. and, and you know this story outline, obviously even Tom Brady, nobody talks about that he wasn't healthy during when the year was happening nobody knew that that knee was as messed up as it was he had off-season surgery a lot of guys had off-season surgery jpp was talking to us yesterday he said this is the healthiest he has felt since 2010 he said you're going to see the jpp of 2010 and what the irony of that situation is jpp was the lone pro bowler on this team and he told us (laughs) yesterday he never felt healthy last year he said he never trusted his knee he said he wanted to make it clear yesterday that he can still do backflips. He did not oh. say that he would do them on Thursday night. Did he night. prove it, though? Did he prove it yet? He Never did not prove him? it. Uh, okay. He was asked if he would do it, thir- would do it Thursday night. <laughs> I'm not sure that Bruce would like to necessarily no. see that. Um, or the Bucks fans. Like, we'll just take you at your word for that, JPP. Um, right. I would think for safety reasons. But this is a team that, that even the guys that you would consider healthy, that played all year, were not healthy. So overall, right. uh, why is this team different? I think those reasons right there. And health in this league is really everything.
3: Oh, it's huge. Huge. And so much of it is luck, right? And, you know, they were able to battle through a lot of that, which, you know, says a lot about that team in the short time that they had already been together. Um, you know, you mentioned Tom Brady and his health and all that. And, and now back for another year, has there been any conversation with or around Tom about what it took to repeat when he led the last team to a repeat title, 0304 with the Patriots? Or his failed attempts to repeat in each of his previous three Super Bowls before this last one with Tampa.
4: He's very adamant that it just doesn't carry over in the sense of He says we're not. Try- At least he said this today. They're not trying to defend their title, which I, I don't know how much you believe that. Of course, the goal is to defend your title, but he's like that can't be taken away from us because this is obviously a team with the target on its back. Like it's really never had, even when they won the Super Bowl uh, years ago with the Rondes and Derek Brooks and, and that sure. group. It wasn't Tom Brady and and sort of the attention that he brings. And so he's very adamant that this is about the 2021 Bucks. We've accomplished nothing. I think that sort of mantra has been like just pummeled into these guys' brains <laughs> that this this isn't a carryover thing. I I don't know how much you can believe that, right? Like the signage is everywhere. The yeah. this is a different group of guys that was a a hugely inexperienced team when it comes to like how many guys had been to the play even been to the playoffs at all before, um, right. let alone won a Super Bowl. So uh, I asked him today, you know, the difference in the the teams that he's been on that have repeated. Uh, this difference between what those guys brought to the table and what this team this year brings to the table. Like, what do you see mentally? And he kind of just, he doesn't go there. Like he's so focused. Like even when I, I flat out asked him that and he was like, we're just about this 2021 team that has accomplished nothing.
3: But Sarah, like that in itself is an answer, right? Because that, that kind of clues you into the laser focus, right? That's what it takes. I feel like there's been this there's always this misconception with champions uh, and with teams that won championships that you have to go out there and defend it. I think Brady's right. Like you have to go attack it again. You have to go assume that you are going to win it again, right? And it, it sounds like that's what this laser focus that's what the quote unquote go for two is all about, right?
4: Yeah, and you know, Gronk has been there before uh, with with that sure. Patriots franchise. And and I thought he brought up a good point. He said, you got to look at it like all these other teams went out and got better, right? Like they go, you make the move to get this player to get better. The Bucs didn't make moves that way, right? So he's like, right. well, you, you've got literally the rest of the league, every team that did not win the Super Bowl, which is everyone but the team <laughs> right here. Uh, goes out and is like, how can we get better to to get closer to that goal? Well, the Bucks did nothing. He goes so in in the sense of they don't go sign somebody, they don't make a move. There's no there were no positions up for grabs. Like this had to be the most boring training camp uh, in all <laughs> training camps, right? For good reason. There's there's no positional yeah. battles, um, right. And so in that sense, when you look at it that way. He's like, you got to look at that motivation as like, okay, if everybody else is doing something to get better, what do we have to do? And like, we have to go just another gear, another level. And they are very much about like, that's put to bed. We've done nothing so far. Um, we've earned nothing except I would say a lot of hype.
3: Yeah. How, how much of that much said and that attitude philosophy does really come from Bruce Arians and how he sets the tone each and every day with his honesty. Uh, with, with his, and with his expectations as high as they might be for this team that's coming off a championship.
4: I love his honesty. I, I like. I think sometimes maybe um, the, the team probably wishes, maybe he wasn't so honest, right? But in the right, movie, like, right. you love it, right? He He's not, he doesn't sugarcoat things ever. I mean, it's like day two of training camp. He's like, we're awful. I mean, if you listen to him, like they're the worst team in the league <laughs> at times, right? But you have to be like that, right? You're not going to rest on your laurels. That's sure. not going to get them anywhere. So I think all of it, well, I'd like to say all of it stems from Bruce But that's probably not true just because of who Tom is and for how long Tom has done it, right? So I think that that's like a a double-headed monster in that it stems from Bruce and Tom, that that is over. It's put to bed. We're done with it. We're moving on. Uh, Bruce was asked even today about there's going to be a huge ceremony on Thursday night. Um, They want fans in the seats at 8 o'clock. That's 20 minutes before kickoff because they they say they're planning a like, historic celebration. But uh, right. Bruce was asked about that today and he said, we're not going to be at that. And I was thinking, like, what are you talking about? He goes, we're not going to be at that. That pomp and circumstance. He's like, we're not there. We're in the locker room. And this is just the same old team in the locker room.
3: You know, while we're in, uh, while we're on this talk of repeating and and trying to win another championship, um, I, I feel like we we buried the lead. Um, your first year with us at NFL Network you jump on the bandwagon of this team and and take them all the way to the Super Bowl. So I mean, have they come to you for any any guidance, anything on on how to you know defend a championship reporting run that you were on?
4: You know what? This is probably the best question you've asked. Um, certainly, <laughs> you. it deserves a long term contract. I would think, whether from it you does. guys or the I box. 100% I mean, right. I don't know. And I didn't even. Yeah. And here's the best part: I didn't even show up for training camp last year. I joined you guys like into October. <laughs> right. So like this That's heat, right. uh, uh, Baldy described it today as a uh, obscene heat in tampa which is completely true yeah. i i like missed all of this i like cruised in in october when things are much better here and then just like rode this thing to the super bowl rode
3: this wave right in that was awesome
4: yeah and i grew up here like this like could not have been any better like the script was great so um if they don't win at all like forget the bucks being disappointed like this is all i know with the nfl <laughs> this network is
3: a- this is you. Yeah. I mean, like you're, you joined some pretty good company because I think and we'll have to get our, um, our producer extraordinaire here, Thomas Warren, to double check me on this. But I think James Palmer joined the network from, you know, he's based in Denver from like the year of Super Bowl 50 when the Broncos went to the so, so like you guys have a have a and he rode that wave like all the way through. Right. And so you guys share some elite company. This is we're building a pretty good roster here is basically what I'm saying in terms of champions.
4: I like those stats. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Sarah Walsh, everybody on the Bucks uh, for us all last season and uh, all this week leading up to kickoff 2021. Sarah, thanks for being with us.
4: Thanks for having me guys.
3: Dak Prescott missing a month of training camp with a shoulder injury, but how close did the Cowboys come to actually missing him for this opener?
2: Some of the guys that, you know, consult with the Rangers. I said, so what do you guys think? And they said, well, It can be as simple as a cortisone shot or as bad as missing an entire season. I was like, well.
3: Jane Slater with the tension surrounding Dak's injury, and now the anxiety ahead of his first start since week five last year. Next.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better, that crisp I said, I said OG, oh, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You didn't need it. Ain't it?
5: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: So, Jane, you and I were together in Oxnard, California for inside training camp about a day after we learned of Dak Prescott's shoulder injury. The shoulder injury that set him on this month long rehab recovery course and kept him out of the entire preseason. Go back to that time period for us for just a moment. How much tension was there within this Cowboys organization about the recovery and about the availability? for what was coming, kickoff 2021 against Tampa.
2: Well, let me take you back to that day, Rhett. We were covering the first padded practice. Uh, we had been fairly limited in what we've been able to see from Dak in OTAs in minicamp. But what stood out for me ahead of that was, if he was having any any limitations with his ankle, didn't see it. It wasn't heavily taped up. He was moving side to side vigorously. He was throwing the, the football like a gunslinger, if if anything, if you go back and you look at some of those videos, you could tell he was kind of, I don't want to say force it because I think he'd take exception with that. But I think he was ready to get out there after having the ball, so to, so to speak, taken away back in mid-October. It was the most innocuous way to injure yourself. And I've asked him several times because I said to him at one of the press conferences, I said, did you sleep on it wrong? Right. <laughs> you know, is it one of those things? Uh, and he said no. Uh, and then I thought what was more interesting was this was not a football injury. This was an injury that's reserved for baseball players, this muscle strain in his in his lat muscle, throwing shoulder. And they consulted with the Rangers and Yankees. And everyone told him taking time off is key. You know, with a lot of these injuries you know what the timeline looks like you know when you're going to come back and when i talked to a lot of uh some of the some of the guys that you know consult with the rangers i said so what do you guys think and they said well it can be as simple as a cortisone shot or as bad as missing an entire season i was like well oh boy that is oh boy so if you notice i didn't really talk about this injury more than what i was being told and and what sure. i was seeing i mean i can only go on that
3: I, I can only imagine the tension that was going on internally, like knowing like, Oh man, like we think he's going to be ready, but what if he's not, <laughs> you know, like, are we going to go through this again? And so now there's got to be some anxiety Jane about what that finished product quote unquote for Dak is going to really look like out there against this Buccaneers defense. Cause we haven't seen him since week five last year. Didn't see him at all this preseason, right? Like there's got to be some anxiety there. Well,
2: I think the fascinating thing for a lot of us, quite frankly, is a a lot of people have asked me in the past, um, you know, who's really making the calls on offense? Yes. Whose offense is this, right? And so today I asked Mike McCarthy, I said, you know, what is your process, you know, heading into week one, you know, especially without covid Are you, are you, Kellen Moore, all of you sitting on the room? And I've got to find what he said to me because I thought it was interesting. I love that. He said, to call it, you have to install it. Make no bones about it. Kellen is calling the offense. So I thought that was interesting. He also talked about the fact that, you know, Kellen Moore didn't coach the final preseason game. And that was because Mike wanted him to have an extra week to prepare for this game. And he also said, you know, Tax had some free time. And the, from everyone that I talked to, one of the main reasons that Kellen was the offensive coordinator, not only did the Jones family and the Cowboys have an immense respect for him so much so, remember, he almost went to Boise State right. <laughs> this offseason. Right, right. Um, but Dak and him have a great relationship.
3: So the offense last year, by necessity of a historically poor defense, was put very much on that right shoulder of Dak Prescott. And look, he was great, right? It was one of the most prolific starts to a season we've ever seen in NFL history. Certainly expect the defense to be better. But I thought this was really interesting. This was in a teaser for an interview that Dak did with our playmaker, Michael Irvin, for the game day season preview. Dak said he expects to be better than he was in those first five weeks, which again was historically good. Um, but my question is like, Are they going to ask him to be that much better in that kind of role this year? Like, is that the idea for this offense? What we saw in those first five weeks?
2: I think they want a more balanced offense. I think a lot of that is predicated on on getting Zeke involved. Ball security is going to be huge for him. And I appreciate that he's taken a lot of ownership for last year and said, you know, when you're carrying the football, you carry the hope of the team. And we saw him doing more work this offseason than I've ever seen him do since he, you know, joined the Cowboys back in 2016.
3: Zeke also said, uh, I think this week that Zach Martin is the best player on this offense. Which look, I think you, you know, as a running back talking about your offensive lineman, like you love to hear it. You want to hear it. Um, but man, that that's still an impactful statement for a team that has, you know, guys like Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper and CD. Tyron Smith. <laughs> so, yeah, Tyron Smith. Of course, one of the best left tackles in football um, when he's healthy and when he's right. I haven't seen that very often in the last couple of years. So how do we really judge the impact of missing Zach Martin due to the COVID, um, to the COVID positive diagnosis ahead of this game?
2: Well, I think he's a six-time pro bowler. He is a, he's he got a lot of position flex for you. They've yeah. had to plug and play him in a couple of places when they've had problems with depth, especially last season. Uh, and as Ezekiel Elliott said it, he's the guy he looks for when he's trying to, you know, run behind this line. And I just think when you're going to get pressure up front from guys like and Sue and guys like Vitavea and Jason Pierre-Paul, he's a guy that you want. Uh, and so, and and I keep going back to, again, Lyle Collins just came back from that next year. Yeah. You know, Tyron Smith at times, you know, during camp, he says he looks great. Both of them look great, by the way. Right. Um, but they haven't played, you know, a full game of football uh, since. Like, L- 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 Collins didn't even. I mean, he was gone. I think it was like midway through camp or in the preseason. Yeah. Uh so we didn't see him at all last year, and then of course he, you know, missed some time because of the next thing stinger. So I, if, if we didn't see Tyron Smith out last year or Lyle oh. Collins, I don't know if I'd be as concerned.
3: It's a good point. But I'm concerned because they have
2: collectively. That's what's concerning to me. he would certainly be uh, he would it, it would certainly give give me a lot more confidence about this offense having him up there and I think the way that these players speak about Zach Martin should tell you everything you need to know
3: you know when you factor all of it together, it could be you know a domino effect, right like you've got Zach Martin out when you want to probably protect Dak Prescott a little bit, hand it off more, have a more balanced attack. But if you're not getting the yards, you're not just going to run your head into a brick wall all game long. You're going to have to sit back there and throw it. And then if you're missing, you know, one of your best pass protectors too, what does that then do? It's just, it like, it, it's like a snowball effect when you're missing a player of that caliber
2: of that impact. Now, I do think that it, I think it helps a little bit too, though, is Connor McGovern, at least, you know, I don't want to completely mitigate you know, this isn't some scrub sure. they're putting in there. This is his third year with the Cowboys. He started eight games last season. He got a lot of meaningful reps uh, during the preseason. So, you know, I'm trying to find the silver linings for this right. team because I felt like I was reporting a lot of bad news last year. So I, I think that's good. The fact that they actually have tight ends at their disposal. would be nice if they had a fullback, but they lost their fullback in camp. So they don't have a guy on their roster. So at least you have tight end availability You can rely on Ezekiel Elliott and you just got to hope, as Dak put it, that he can stay off the grounds.
3: Well, let's hope. Uh, Let's just hope for a great game. And uh, I know you are going to be there to watch it all unfold live. And I know you're happy to be back out there and to be hopefully not shouting from the stands uh, at uh, the (laughs) subjects at the end of the game. Nobody puts a blanket on the Cowboys and covers Dallas like Jane Slater. Jane, thanks so much for your insights. We appreciate it. Safe travels. We'll talk to you after the game.
2: Appreciate it.
3: Vaccination status, a huge topic ahead of roster cutdown day, but how much of a factor did COVID-19 play in roster construction as a whole within the 32 teams in this league? How are the teams planning to supplement their roster during the season if they need to pick somebody up on a weekly basis? The COVID Conversation with
0: Tom Pelissero, next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses.
6: Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's ang or download the app today.
3: Tom, COVID is still with us. Nobody wants it, but it's here, and the NFL has to be ready for it yet again. This time, though, this year, the difference is the vaccination. But what about the protocols and the guidelines? How different are they now this year compared to last year once you throw the vaccinated and unvaccinated into the mix?
1: Well, Rhett, first of all, you have a number of moving parts. It's not nearly as clear as it was a year ago, in terms of a positive test, and you basically knew how long somebody was going to be out, how many games that they were going to miss, because you have varying protocols between vaccinated individuals and unvaccinated individuals, it does make it more complicated, which from a competitive standpoint, raises a lot of questions sure. because you may be only a couple of days before the game and not know for certain who your opponent has available or who you have available. So some of the key factors here are going to be vaccinated or not. It is also going to be whether or not you have symptoms. And it's also Mm -hmm. going to be when your initial positive test occurred, because the process by which they're confirming them is just a little bit different. And without getting into all the technicalities, they are taking rapid tests, MESA tests. That's the initial test this year. Whereas last year, everybody was being PCR tested on a daily basis, which means sending it out to a lab. You got the results the next day. In some ways, it moves more quickly. In other ways, though, you end up actually slowing things down just because, again, the confirmation process that you go through is different uh, because the test is different. Also, these Mesa tests are very sensitive uh, from what has been explained to me by people who are actual doctors, not just people who pretend to be right. like me. Right. They can pick <laughs> up, they can pick up traces of COVID much earlier in the process. And so, whereas last year, from exposure to testing positive, was generally five days. This year, they're seeing it can be much closer to the exposure. So you could find out more quickly whether or not uh, somebody has it. So to get back to your original yeah. question, which is about return to play, all these factors play in on a very basic level. Yeah. You could say that unvaccinated individuals must miss a minimum of 10 days. Uh, there's some different additional things, cardiac screening and whatnot, that goes into it, too. But minimum 10 days that somebody is out for a vaccinated individual Who is completely asymptomatic you can come back with two negative tests 24 hours apart even if you have symptoms you just have to be clear for 48 hours of those symptoms and then have those two negative tests 24 hours apart now that doesn't mean that somebody tests positive on a monday and they've got a good chance of coming back on a wednesday because we're not talking about false positives here there's still a confirmation process before you're declared an actual positive and go on the COVID list, this would be your confirmed positive, and now you begin to test negative. So there have been examples within the league of people coming back sooner than that 10 days, but it is still a process. And so if you're a vaccinated individual, there's an unknown there. Could you be cleared within a game week, test positive on a Monday, play on Sunday? It is possible. So
3: testing positive for COVID-19 is, is one thing. And then being around someone who has is another, right? The, we heard about this a bunch last year, and we're still hearing about it now. It's the close contacts, the high-risk close contacts. Now, that's also very different this year to last year based on your vaccination status, correct?
1: That's right. And one thing to understand here is while COVID is going to be with us throughout the course of the season, there will be positive tests. Throughout the course of the season, as we've seen through training camp in the preseason, you're going to have fewer of these mass close contact issues that you had a year ago because only unvaccinated individuals are forced to isolate without a positive test. Under the current protocols, which, again, this can all change a month from now, Rhett, like last year when the Titans had an outbreak around, I think it was week four, week five, then they instituted that high-risk close contact protocol. All of a sudden, the Broncos play a game without a quarterback. The Browns play a game without most of their wide receivers. Those things are much less likely to happen unless you have a position group that is largely unvaccinated. And I can tell you, I am aware of some teams that have that issue, that have certain position groups where they have a higher degree uh, of exposure. But in essence, what this means is if you are a uh, close contact, if you would fall under the normal Definition of a high risk close contact, which is based on a variety of different factors, including uh, the ventilation in the area you were in. How long were you there? uh, Were you wearing masks? Uh, All those things play into it. Uh, But only the unvaccinated individuals have a mandatory five day isolation. We saw Kirk Cousins have that early on in training camp. We saw more recently Carson Wentz and Ryan Kelly from the Colts have that same thing happen. If you're a vaccinated individual and you are a close contact, you're tested for five days, but you are not forced to isolate. You can continue uh, to come in to work. And so again, unless you have an entire position group that's all unvaccinated, you are not going to all of a sudden lose your whole position group. Now, you might have concerns.
3: And again, just like some other some other little pieces that are going to be different from a year ago, you know, Tom, like inside the facility, quite different for those individuals that are vaccinated. And and as you've been reporting, 93% vaccination rate. Is that that's still correct?
1: That's among players. among players and staff right. is upwards of 99%. So yeah. league wide, you're talking about, you know, 95, 96% of all individuals, uh, are fully vaccinated or on the way because there are still some players who are going through the process here, which is another thing I think is important to understand because Bill Belichick made some comments the other day about right. look at all the vaccinated individuals, players and coaches who have tested positive around the league. Um, the vaccine is, I can't remember exactly how he put it, but the implication that the vaccine solves our problem has not been substantiated. He's right.
6: The number of players and coaches and staff members that have you know, been infected by COVID in this training camp who have been vaccinated is a pretty high number. We've had uh, minimal, but throughout the league, there have been a number of quite a high number, I would say, of players who have and you know, had the virus who have been vaccinated, you know, your implication that vaccination solves every problem is just not really, I would say that that has not been substantiated based on what's happened in training camp this year.
1: now that was framed, of course, and intentionally or not, it certainly was taken by a lot of people as saying Bill Belichick does not believe correct uh, yeah. in in vaccinations, which he attempted to clarify the next day. He's right that vaccination alone, does not solve all the problems, which is why, you know, he emphasized it in his clarification that you still need to do hygiene, you mm-hmm. still need to have distancing, you still have to wear masks, you still have to, in certain settings, just be more conscientious of how you're conducting yourself. But We are going to continue to see the so-called breakthrough cases among vaccinated individuals. In fact, to this point, Rhett, there are more cases in the NFL of vaccinated individuals testing positive than unvaccinated individuals. <laughs> But that is a math issue where you have for every one unvaccinated person, you have 20 fully vaccinated or people on the way to full vaccination within the league. Dr. Sills said a week or so ago that there's a seven time higher incidence rate among unvaccinated individuals. In other words, do the quick math there. Seven times three is 21. You could have three times the number of cases among vaccinated individuals but it's still happening much less frequently than it is among the unvaccinated population, which is what drives these NFL-NFLPA protocols that are jointly negotiated and put together by the medical experts for both the league and the union.
3: You touched on it earlier, the situation with the Broncos quarterbacks a year ago, the situation with the Browns receivers a year ago. Just looking at the Denver situation, whereas they were hoping they could play that game on a different day, could move it to Tuesday, didn't happen because there were some there were some other issues. I think I felt like it was going on with the with the Broncos quarterbacks that led the league to be less sympathetic uh, about that situation. If those four players are vaccinated this year, bottom line is that's not happening,
1: correct? They wouldn't be required to wear masks in the meeting room. They wouldn't have those same types of restrictions. Right. Uh, so right there, there's nothing. But yes, even in a setting where um, what would be considered to be a close contact would occur. What would have happened because I believe it was Jeff Driscoll who tested, tested positive. positive. The right. other three quarterbacks were ruled out as close contacts if they were all fully vaccinated. what would happen is those three other quarterbacks would be tested for five days on a daily basis. As long as they test negative, which in this case, those quarterbacks did, they would be allowed to play in the game.
3: Two other questions that I've been curious about. Roster construction is certainly one of them, not necessarily... How did vaccination status play into roster construction? But how did contingency plans for teams factor into roster construction around the league? Did we see that play? Did you see that play a big role in how teams dealt with quarterbacks, how teams are dealing with certain position groups in that way, Tom?
1: 100%. And as much as Urban Meyer uh, caught heat for saying it publicly, I guarantee you, and I, I, I should be careful how yeah. I say this, I would certainly have an educated guess that all 32 teams discussed vaccination status because it is a part of availability. Every team talks about it, whether it's injuries or other situations that might go on, are you available to the team? The reality of the NFL NFLPA protocols, which again, this can't be emphasized enough, jointly agreed to by the league and the union, uh, they are geared to be more punitive toward unvaccinated Players between the high risk close contact protocol, between the mandatory 10 day, uh, wait. If you test positive, uh, all the restrictions within the building. And so if you end up in a situation where, you know, we've seen it again in Minnesota, we saw where they didn't have three quarterbacks for their big Saturday night practice on, on back together Saturday. Uh, we saw with the uh, Colts where they lose, you know, three players, including Carson Wentz because of a high risk close contact with an athletic It impacts availability. So. You know, There's a lot of different layers to it. It's not just the setting of the 53-man roster. Yeah. It's positions where you don't have a lot of guys like quarterback, uh, like your punter and kicker. Uh, if you have vaccination questions there, if you have unvaccinated individuals, you better have contingency plans. It is the setting of practice squads. Waiver claims were way down. I don't know that that was entirely because of vaccination status, but mm-hmm. certainly you have to take that uh, into consideration. And also, Right now, you're not going to see a lot of unvaccinated individuals getting signed off the street. Teams know, and there are teams, I can tell you, within the league who have different colored dots on their board right now for free agents of vaccinated and unvaccinated. Because if you have an injury on a Sunday, you MRI a guy on a Monday, and you go, okay, we got these two players. They're basically the same guy. We can get the same from them. They're both going to be minimum salaries. This guy's vaccinated, can be here tomorrow, can practice on Wednesday. This guy's unvaccinated. He has to come here and sit for five days. That's and there's huge. no way he's going to be ready to play in the game next Sunday. Those guys aren't going to get signed. And so I can also tell you, because I know specific examples of this, there are some veteran players, unvaccinated, throughout the course of the summer who had not signed. They are going through the vaccination process now because it's finally come to uh, you know, fruition here that if they don't get vaccinated, they're not going to be on a team. They're not going to play in 2021.
3: And then lastly here, Tom, We saw a game played on what every day of the week last year, right? Uh, You know, you mentioned the Wednesday game last year. We had a Tuesday game. Is the NFL making contingency plans once again? Although I know and you guys have reported this, you know, months ago that the NFL is not going to make those contingency plans if there is an outbreak amongst unvaccinated individuals within a team. But are there those sorts of contingencies to play games outside of a normal game day?
1: There are always contingencies, uh, from the NFL office. Um, they've got different options. Uh, but they also made clear in a memo, I think it was, uh, two months ago or so yeah. now that they were, uh, fully intending to play all, uh, 200 and I got to get this number right it's now. Like so it's not the old number. Now, yeah. 272, <laughs> yeah, there you go. not 256. <laughs> it's now 272 games, uh, over the 18 week schedule. And they do not intend to add a week 19. And one of the key qualifiers there, which certainly augurs more as a threat than reality, but it's still there, is they are not going to be looking to reschedule based on uh, outbreaks or COVID issues caused or that are, can be traced back to unvaccinated individuals. And for anyone saying, well, how could they possibly know? They can because they have genomic sequencing, because they have ways to tell um, the variant. They can trace it uh, with a relative, uh, relatively high degree of specificity. Uh, you know, certainly you're going to have questions about if, well, if a vaccinated guy gave it to an unvaccinated and then this person gave it to that person, all those things will be worked out. But the bottom line is they're not looking to reschedule games. If you have a legitimate issue where there is, let's say, an asymptomatic uh, carrier who leads to an outbreak among vaccinated individuals, the NFL will try, within reason, to do what it did a year ago, which is move games around, move games back, yeah. whatever it might be. But there is no thinking going into the season that well, inevitably, two, three times, we're going to have to blow up the whole schedule and move games around from week right. 13 to five and all this stuff. They're not looking at it that way. They are wanting to play as best they can within the 18 weeks, play as on time as they possibly can. Uh, and, you know, here's another just important thing to keep in mind, Rhett, yeah. when we're talking about just the context. Actually, we talk so much about the, the unvaccinated individuals and there is such vitriol. On social media, as I look at my Twitter feed, just about everything pertaining to this. It is an extremely divisive issue nationally, Uh, and the NFL is a microcosm of society at large. We're talking about roughly 150 players in the whole league who are not vaccinated at this point. 93% are fully vaccinated or on the way. 99-plus percent of staff, coaches and other staff, are fully vaccinated. So you have a relatively small number of players. They are subject to different rules and different protocols. And so yes, when those issues pop up, when for instance, somebody has ruled a high risk close contact, people are going to point out that those individuals are unvaccinated. That's not us saying that it's always unvaccinated people, you're ignoring the vaccinated cases. No, it is the rules are different. I didn't make the rules. You didn't make <laughs> right, the rules, Red. Right. The rules were negotiated by the NFL, the NFLPA, and their medical experts. These are what they are. They could be different in October than they are as we sit here on September 7th. But the rules pertain to everyone in the league, but we're talking about 150, certainly under 200. I don't know this precise number, but right. under 200 players in the whole league who are unvaccinated. And that's that's what you're dealing with. That's the scope of the people who are going to be subject to these other protocols. Uh, And that's not to say the vaccinated individuals won't test positive again. They will. Based on every bit of science, based on every statement from Dr. Sills, you will continue to see breakthrough cases. And so far, we've had more of those cases than the unvaccinated individuals. But this is math. It's a small number of people who are unvaccinated. Uh, Everyone has to continue to take the utmost precautions to continue to be smart about a variety of different things. And even if Bill Belichick may have been uh, less eloquent than he intended (laughs) and originally stated, he's right. Vaccines don't solve all the problems. But there's a reason that the NFL, the NFLPA and their medical experts have pushed uh, for vaccinations, even though they don't mandate them for players. Right now, we are at well over 95 percent of everyone in the NFL sphere. Uh, who is vaccinated yeah. and that's where things stand heading into 2021
3: Tom Pellicero over the course of the last year without taking a single class is now just 3 credit hours short of an honorary degree in epidemiology Tom thank you for your Just expertise. when I was about to earn my labor degree last <laughs> spring with the CBA right. and then the you next week all, we, moved,
1: we moved into this but it's important to understand it again is. NFL and beyond in society uh, the good news for us rep Yeah and COVID certainly a serious issue. The good news for us is we're going to be back on the field again as reporters awesome. this year. We're going to be closer, still six feet away from people on the field, but we'll be closer to them. You won't have to see me, I hope, yelling, <laughs> yelling from, from the bleachers fin- to somebody to do a post-game interview. <laughs> That's right. That stuff's going to look a little That's bit more different. normal. I'm headed to Indianapolis on Thursday, spend a couple days with the Colts, have the Colts-Seahawks opener, and I can't wait.
3: That's fantastic. Tom, thanks so much for spending some time with us, my man. Uh, here's to uh, Cheers to you. Here's to everybody. Uh, for a safe and full football season. Thanks, Tom. That's going to do it for us here. Episode one of the NFL Inside Report podcast, nearly in the books. Reminder, though, we're going to be with you at least three times a week throughout the year. So please subscribe, download, rate, review over on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. We're coming back with you later this week for a look ahead at some of the impactful week one showdowns. On the Saints relocation, From New Orleans ahead of Hurricane Ida to Dallas-Fort Worth and now to Jacksonville for what was supposed to be their home opener against the Packers. And ahead of the 20th anniversary of 9-11, a powerful conversation with our reporters that covered teams in New York at a time when a country was mourning and sport was trying to aid the recovery. And before we leave you here today to close out this first episode... Some thoughts on a friend and NFL media colleague, Tara Deeker, who passed this weekend after a courageous battle with cancer. Deeks was a do-it-all kind of person. So to say what she did, what her title was, what her role was with us here at the NFL media group would be a disservice to the great work she did on every show and with every person she interacted with. Because it was all-encompassing. So the better description is that Deeker was the spirit of NFL media. She was the smile. She was the sunshine in a windowless studio, boisterously laughing down the halls, unknowingly challenging your bad day issues with her infectious personality and selfless concern and care. I had a conversation with Deeker a few months ago into, towards the end of last season. She had actually called me moments after a phone conversation with her doctor that had revealed to her that her cancer had advanced to the point where it was going to make beating it extremely challenging. She then called me to talk about an issue that I was having with the comfortability of a desk in a studio space at our office. Like, really? I just sat crisscross applesauce on the floor so that she didn't have to make that kind of phone call after receiving that kind of news.
6: But that's the kind of person she was.
3: That's the kind of person we're going to miss. Bless you, Deeker. You are missed.
1: NFL Inside Report
3: is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better.